Welcome to the Jackets Island Podcast. I'm Kelly Kramer, joined by uh, Jared Alice, and we're going to talk about all things Georgia Tech and the uh, rough loss of USF. And now we have the Hangover Bowl this week with Pitt, two teams that lost te- games in entirely different yet similar ways. Uh, Pitt had their share of special teams meltdowns. The Georgia Tech game, of course, went very differently than I anticipated, and Paul Johnson or Charlie Strong or Brian Jean-Marie or Nate Woody or any of the key players in the game foresaw. Um, two kick returns for a touchdown, something hopefully we will never see again in our lifetime. Um, and uh, just a really disheartening loss for Georgia Tech, once again leading by double digits in the fourth quarter and can't put the game away and – couldn't get enough offense. Quan Marshall gets hurt. Got guys dinged up. David Curry gets the targeting in the second half. He's out for the first half of the pit game. Tree Carpenter plays six snaps before he gets ejected for targeting, including a pick that he had. So just an ugly game, poorly refereed. Um, just It's sort of the essence of why you don't play a game like that, Jared. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they lost – Definitely more than just the game. You talked a little bit about, you know, the injuries and and the people that will probably still play this week, but, you know, got banged up like Taquan. Uh, and then also the two targeting calls, which is going to leave uh, David Curry out of the first half of this next game. So it was really just a lot of a lot of things that shouldn't have happened that happened, but they did. So, I mean – like everybody likes to say, just got to flush it and move on and try to get focused up for this next game against Pitt. Yeah, coffee's for closers, and right now Georgia Tech's drinking tea. I mean, it's uh, it's just not – they've not been able to close games on the road. I don't know what it is. They play really well at home. Uh, even played Georgia pretty well for a half last year at home. That was only yeah. home yeah. loss, I believe. And it's just frustrating um, right now to see a team like this. That was sort of Paul Johnson's calling card something I talked to him about earlier this week is like his first few years, that was what they're known for. I remember Josh Nesbitt literally just running Wake Forest to death and, and Bobby Dodd and um, through sheer willpower winning a game. So, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. I think they got to figure it out. It's a little bit like uh, when you get in a hitting funk as a baseball player, whatever it is, it gets in your head. And I think it's in their head right now. And, I think they got to just like stomp somebody and on the road and it'll be interesting to see if they can do it to Pitt. Pitt's an interesting matchup for them. Um, you look at Pitt and they have interesting skill players. Kenny Pickett's a, a step up from kind of what they've had at quarterback in the past. They have quite a collection of bizarre quarterbacks beyond him. Ricky town and Jeff George jr. Are both on their roster who have bounced around. Uh, you know, Quadra Ellison's a pretty interesting running back. They got some depth there with Darren Hall and A.J. Davis, uh, who are both pretty talented. A.J. Davis was a really good running back from uh, Florida out of high school. You know, they got a couple decent receivers, a tight end that's okay. Um, not anything that, you know, you would necessarily be super excited about offensively, but they're very steady. And then defensively, they're a team that tends to play pretty well. Um, they've played Georgia Tech well at times, but Really, these games have been shootouts the last few years. Uh, I think about the game last time in Pittsburgh, which was basically a track meet between the two teams. Um, And then the game last year, Georgia Tech just kind of ran over them with Cravante Benson. Uh, 
And so this year it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Georgia Tech really should have won four in a row in this series, and they haven't. Uh, haven't been able to close some games, so it'll be interesting. Pitt's special teams was, was beyond special. Uh, they managed to do a whole lot of other stuff that was even worse than Georgia Tech last week in the Penn State game. That kind of basically killed all of the will of their team, and they also played in terrible weather conditions uh, in a kind of like driving rain. And I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of who's the mentally tougher team right now. I th- to me, it feels like it's much more difficult to overcome losing the way that Pitt did to your rival, playing them really for the last time. For, can you imagine like if Georgia Tech lost to Georgia and then they weren't going to play them anytime in the near future? That would be pretty emotionally devastating for the kids on the team. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. And so I just wonder how much of a hangover effect there's going to be. I talked to Chris Peak, who runs the uh, the Pitt site and is a good friend, old friend of mine, and Chris and I kind of both had the same mentality that we have no idea what the hell is going to happen in this game. And, um, you know, all bets are sort of off right now. You got basically the two teams that are, I think, in the dead middle of the ACC Coastal right now are Georgia Tech, Pitt, and then probably Duke, and depending on how they respond to Daniel Jones' injury, right? Daniel Jones, a quarterback for Pitt, if you didn't know, broke his clavicle. He's probably out for two months, I would say, maybe the rest of the season. And uh, those are sort of the middle pieces. And then you have Virginia, who's bad. And on the high end of the scale, you have Miami and, and uh, Virginia Tech. So I think that um, you, as you kind of look at the way the schedule unfolds for Georgia Tech, this is as close to a must-win as you get because you get out of this game. You play Bowling Green, who you should beat. But before that, you got to play Clemson next week. And that's going to be a tough game, a 330 kick. That is one of the worst matchups for Georgia Tech. That's a very tough game. You go to Louisville, you got Duke. Those are both winnable games. Then you go to Virginia Tech. Oh, I forgot North Carolina is the worst team in the ACC Coastal. I know I was forgetting somebody. Yeah, um, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so, and then, you know, then things calm down. You play at North Carolina. Then you have Miami here. You've Georgia Tech's played better against at home. And then Virginia. And, you know, Miami season might go sideways before they make it here in November. So it's going to be really curious to see what, what kind of happens over the next couple of weeks. But this is – got to get this going. You don't want to enter the, the Clemson game at 1-2 and two and looking at 1-3, and three, and that's a, that's a tough hole to dig out of. And, you know, Paul Johnson's teams tend to play better in the second half of seasons. But, you know, the schedule doesn't set up great. Thursday night in Blacksburg is no cakewalk, you know. Right. and. They haven't played well with Miami, so they got to play better. The offense played well enough to win the game on Saturday at, at USF, and I saw a lot of things I was excited about. Tobias Oliver played great off the bench. He was gassed. I think that had more to do with Paul not putting him back in the game than he probably wants to let on at this mm-hmm. point. That kid was worn out um, when Taquan came back in. But, you know, you look at – how this whole thing unfolds and they just gotta they gotta figure out a way to win this game and, and do it convincingly i think they need a convincing win it, i think it's one of those things is kind of like you said it's penciled in their head that anytime they get in a situation like that where either whether it's that they have a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and they have to hang on or it's just a, a really you know back and forth game it's just i feel like it's something they're gonna have to do once 
and hopefully after that it's, it's kind of like the hangover's gone and they can you know start being a normal football team again in the sense that they can close out teams when they <laughs> when they have two score leads in the fourth quarter because uh, it's definitely not easy to watch uh, and it's hard you were saying you don't really know what's going to go on with this game when I look at the schedule I, I, I really don't see a game other than like Clemson or North Carolina where I can definitively say that they're going to lose or they're going to win and it's, it's just it, I feel like that's going to be you know kind of how this season unfolds unless they can get a nice demanding win at Pittsburgh Maybe maybe play a little bit better than people expect them to do against Clemson, and then come home, get a you know good win against Bowling Green, and I think that game needs to be one where people really kind of get back from from any kind of injuries or, or, or anything like that that was made uh, in last week's game or this week's game or Clemson, because then you're gonna have a, a tough test in Louisville, which is a game that I think they should win, but hey, I thought they were going to beat UCF too or uh, USF too. So I, it's just really everything's kind of up in the air for me at this point. But that's kind of how it's been the past few years, and especially against, especially against Pitt, like you were saying, yeah, they should be on on a, like a around a four game win streak dating back to 2014. But they ended up winning 2014. I think 2015 blew it. It was one of his years. 2016 was a blew it year. And then they were able to win last year. Uh, but it's just a weird, weird scheme overall, just not knowing any game, whether or not they're going to be able to go in there and win, but especially against Pittsburgh. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch this weekend. Well, you know, what's weird is I picked Pitt as sort of my breakout team in the Coastal. I thought they would compete with Miami. And it turns out Virginia Tech, so far, now Virginia Tech hasn't done a lot, right? They beat what turns out to be a pretty bad Florida State team. They've probably done more, though, than anybody else. Resume-wise, probably, yeah, in the Coastal, yeah, sure. But, I mean, they've been a little bit better than I thought they were, and Pitt's been a little bit worse. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see where they are. This is kind of a key year for Pitt as well. Like, they expected to compete for the Coastal. You have Georgia Tech who expects to compete for the Coastal, facing off with each other. And really, for both of them, this is game one of their seasons. Like, that's how you have to look at it because you're trying to win your division and go to Charlotte and do all those things. And uh, that's how you have to you have to have that sort of mentality. And, uh, you know, this is where mental toughness, um, you know, being able to get over things that happened in the past. Uh, you know, the defense has got to play a lot better. They're terrible against USF. But, again – different kind of athlete and Pitt's got some speed guys in space for sure um you know they have some great return guys they have guy running backs who could stretch it a little bit at times but they've kind of changed their identity identity to more of a power running scheme towards the end of last season I'm curious kind of how Georgia Tech matches up with that because that's a little bit different than kind of what they've been seeing and kind of what they will see actually over the course of the season they probably won't see a real uh, power running game until maybe Miami or Georgia. Um, so this is going to be an interesting test. I, I'll be curious to see what Nate Woody does. Um, I, you know, I, I'm uh, hopeful that they can fix things. I saw kind of what the errors were in the in the USF game, and so I'm curious where 
he makes adjustments. Can the players adjust quickly enough? Can they play within themselves more? Can you avoid giving up huge gashing runs to the quarterback that reminded me of when Tenuto was the defensive coordinator at Georgia Tech where guys got too far upfield and left these huge gaps in the middle of the field? Um, even the spy thing didn't work. People were like, why didn't they play a spy? They did it a couple times. Didn't work. So, um, there, you know, this is just the defense wasn't built in a day, right? And you shouldn't expect them to come in and be lights out right out of the box. And I think people had some false hope because of the way they played Alcorn State that they were going to come out and, you know, this would look like the Black Watch or something. And that's not what's going to happen. It's, it's a building thing. The problem right now is Paul Johnson's warned some of the fan base then. So you have people calling for his head, right? You have upset fans because you keep losing these it has, I think, almost more to do with how they're losing than the fact they're even losing the games. I think if you were getting your butts kicked and then winning games, that would be fine. But blowing leads and stuff is almost worse for the fans because it gives you this false hope you're going to win the game, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm thinking of myself sitting in the press box and watching Quay Searcy take that pitch and, and run down. I'm like, ah, oh, they're going to get the first down and they got this and the game's oh, over. And I'm getting ready to start writing something. And, you know, the ball, I see the ball bounce out. And I was like, oh, God. And, like, I knew what was going to happen. And I think everyone on the team did. And that's the problem. You have to break that cycle. And so, you know, a lot of this will fall on Taquan Marshall and Brant Mitchell and the other senior leadership of this team. They have to kind of get these guys to, to put it in gear and you can't have the mistakes you've had. And I think that – um this will be. This is a real test of this team where it's at, and you know the fan base needs something to rally behind Coach Johnson with too. And I think that's something else that's kind of important in this game. You need a win to kind of calm your fan base down, and you need to play well against Clemson. Quite frankly, I think if they play well against Clemson, that'll really ease up a lot of the tension that's going on right now, and it'll make the players more relaxed. It will help you the rest of the season, even if you don't win. I think you just have to look better than you've looked the last couple of years against them. No, I completely agree. And I think going back to what you were saying about Pittsburgh, if there is something positive or, or about South Florida, sorry, if there is something positive to take out of that game, I know not many Georgia Tech fans are really in the mood to hear about a positive thing, it seems, at this point. Um, you know, I, I know you get a lot of backlash about that. And I actually did this past week, too, uh, trying, trying to be optimistic. but the season, if your goal for Georgia Tech in the beginning of the season was for them to compete for the Coastal uh, title, then that's still very much alive and as much alive as it was before the South Florida game and still is after. Um, so it's definitely important that they go in there and you know everybody just needs to do their assignments defensively, uh, in my opinion. I know that was a big problem. A lot of people getting out of their lanes and stuff like that. Uh, and like you said, it's not going to be – you know, it wasn't built in a day. It's not going to be the steel curtain off the rip. Uh, it's going to take some time to build. Um, but once again, that's just me being optimistic. Uh, I, I still think, I know I say this every time we do this, but I think they should win uh, against Pittsburgh. Uh, and I agree with what you're saying about Clemson as well. Go in there, play a little bit better uh, than than most people probably expect you to. And, and honestly, the game last year against Clemson, as bad as it may seem, it wasn't that that terrible 
They got they went out there. It was pouring rain. Caronte Vincent Vincent fumbled the ball in the first possession. They scored on the next play. But then after that, I think he broke one like 85 yards. They get down to the goal line, can't score. And then, you know, it wasn't – it was never, you know, like a, a blowout or anything like that. Um, I think they probably need to do a little bit better than that this season as long as the weather allows for them to really pound the ball on the ground, uh, which, you know, I'm not saying rain doesn't because that gen- generally favors the run game more than the passing game. But, you know, just go out there, beat Pitt, do what you can against Clemson, and then settle down, get your guys back against Bowling Green, and get ready for, you know, a lot of ACC games where you can really, really make a run at the Coastal title. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch kind of the progression of this team. We don't know a whole lot about them. I think game four, really, the Clemson games, when you kind of find out where you're at offensively, they played really well. Um, you know, Taquan threw a stupid pick before halftime. I think he might have been trying to throw the ball out of bounds. I never asked him. And then the other one, the guy hit him on the arm as he's throwing. That happens to everybody um, when there's pressure and in that weird situation. But really, they played – they were very efficient offensively in the, in the USF game. USF's defense is certainly on par with most of the ACC teams Georgia Tech will see this year. I think that um, as you look at kind of how things unfold, the games are winnable on the schedule. You just have to go out and win them, and, you know, some of them will take your best effort. Like, you can beat Virginia Tech. They've done it the last two years. Yeah, but and here's know. another thing, too. I don't know how good Texas A&M is, but they, they took Clemson down to the wire, and quite frankly, I know there wasn't enough to overturn it probably, but I don't think the ball went through the end zone. Uh, I don't know if, if everyone listening watched it, but Texas A&M had the ball uh, near the goal line fumbled and the ruling on the field was that it went in the end zone and out of bounds uh, resulting in a touchback and giving Clemson the ball to kind of seal the game but I mean it was like 26 to 28 was the final score like I said I know Kyle Field is an incredibly hard place to play and and I I I don't know how good Texas A&M actually is but they showed that you know Clemson showed in that game that they're not I mean it could have just been a a one-time thing but they showed that they're not like absolutely just alphas over everyone. That's not just going to go out there and barrel roll you the entire time. And of course, Texas a is an entirely different team and there's a lot of different factors, but basically the whole, the whole point is it was a two point game. So I, I, I'm not, of course I'm, I, that's going to be the one game. You don't hear me say that I think they can win. Uh, Cause even, even if they do play as good as Texas A&M, then obviously Texas A&M still lost. But I think it can be more interesting than, than we may think. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to, to kind of watch. I mean, as I tried to tell everybody the other night, it was game two, right? So you have to just kind of let things go. I mean, your season doesn't end if you lose game one, game two, game three, game four. If you lose all four of those, yeah, your season's over. But and Georgia Tech's had seasons with Paul Johnson where they've won six, seven games in a row. Right. And lost five or six in a row. I mean, that happened, I think, Tevin's first year or second year he was a quarterback. Yeah, I remember they started six and uh, lost to Virginia. Yeah, and Paul kept telling everyone the team was not as good as people thought. And they started uh, the 2015 season or whatever, 2 0 or whatever it was, and people were excited or they beat the dog snot out of Alcorn yeah. State or whoever it was. And then they sucked. And like In 2014, too. 
the best season in, in tech history. Oh, well, twenty fourteen, yeah, they barely oh. squeak out three wins over Wofford, Tulane, and and uh, Georgia Southern. I mean, the Georgia Southern game was literally like it was a act of luck. <laughs> it really was. That, um, even more than it was just bad luck on the part of Georgia Southern because they were marching both. in, killing, icing the clock, and they get the ball back, and Justin Thomas made two amazing plays and and they win the game so you cannot give jamal golden enough credit for that that play near the sideline to to swat that ball down goodness gracious that was such a such a crazy game the tech was up like 20 to 0 at one point and then just completely collapsed in the second half but it was exciting gotta get them that but anyway like just getting to the point i mean even in their best season they looked terrible in the first three games so there's really no telling what what can happen after you know a bad loss to South Florida? Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see how these teams rebound, where where their heads are at. Um, you know how the offensive line plays. You got some guys banged up. They played them too many snaps uh, against South Florida. Paul Johnson talked about it a little bit. You know, there's a lot of stuff. Who's going to play on defense? What are they going to do with the Jack? Vic Alexander is a great kid. He has struggled with that position. Is not a fit for him. I, you know, I wonder what you do there to kind of what the um, fix is there. You know, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think Pitt is, like I said, it's a game that they're going to win, in my opinion. Uh, and then Clemson will hopefully be – more interesting than we expect. Uh, but, you know, if you came here in hopes of hearing us say that <laughs> that the season's over and all that, it just ain't going to happen. You know, it's funny to me. These people, like, um, you know, I get a lot of hate tweets and you're supporting Paul Johnson. What people don't realize is, like, for from a business – now, I like Paul a lot, personally. We get along well. Uh-huh. From a business perspective, I have uh, – coaching change is literally probably the best, like, business thing that can happen for me, at least in the well, short You're going to be the coach next year too, so – Well, yeah, that is... that, that's what we found out on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, like, at the end of the day, there's a coach, whether it's Paul Johnson or Joe Smith or Bob Johnson or whoever it is, like – it makes no difference. There's going to be a football coach at Georgia Tech, and my business will adapt. And, like, what I don't like seeing is, like, people being crazy, and this guy's, like, won a ton of games for you. And it was game two of the season. Like, chill out. If it's game, you know, come Georgia week, if they're, you know, four and six or four, whatever it is, uh, four and seven and looking at the Georgia game, and you're – like, I get it. Like, if you want – you know, I at understand. that point we'll, we'll go along with you. We'll we'll say the season's over, or whatever you want to, whatever they want us to say at this point in week two. But the truth of it is, they've never had a season like that when they've been healthy. Like they're always either at five hundred, like even last year, could have won eight games with two plays going, di- even one play going differently in every single one of their losses, except for Duke, right? Absolutely, and I- Georgia. Like those two games, they lost squarely. Okay, every other game was very much in doubt. So to and you and you lost a game to the damn hurricane. So like to me the way I look at this stuff, Jared, is you judge everything at the end of the season. These people need to chill out on their social media. Like my God. 
I mean, say it's it. as bad as politics. Like people have. <laughs> I don't even pay attention to politics because of it, and it's kind of becoming similar, like you're saying, to that. So it's 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 pretty frustrating, and I I, I understand where people are coming from, but it's at the end of the day, it's still like it was week two. You don't know anything about this team whatsoever, and I mean, I know it didn't look good on Saturday, but it didn't look good for three weeks in 2014 either. So I guarantee there was people barking up the same tree during that time as well. Oh, I can so, tell you they were for a fact because I was covering the team back then. Or as a matter of fact, I was probably one of them <laughs> because I was probably I was like 15 years old and, and stupid. So I, I was probably one of those same people. Thankfully, I'm not that way anymore. Um, but I was probably one of those same people and I learned from it. So hopefully everybody else can too. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just some people are going to be angry and pissed off about stuff and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's about winning, winning games, winning championships. That's what you want to do. Football coach here is one, one, and he's taking you three times to it, which is more than anyone else has done basically in the league, except for Virginia tech and, Florida State and Clemson. We'll have to title this podcast Optimism. That can be this episode's name. I mean, think about, like, they were, what was it, in the the Sun Bowl year that they beat USC when they uh, went in at 6-6 six and six to the – I think like, 2012. They were one play away from – yeah, it was 2012. They were one play away from uh, – beating Florida State and winning an ACC championship when they had no business even being in the game. Like Right, that that was crazy. I remember watching that. And then was they beat to six, I think. They beat the dog snot out of USC who was the yeah, number one sure. team in the country at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Sure did. So I guess just kinda of looking at this game, Jared, kinda of how do you see it playing out? Uh like I said earlier, I think it's gonna be a Georgia Tech win in the end. Uh, as long as they can stay solid on special teams uh, you know, played their role defensively. Um, it's probably going to be, unfortunately, closer than it should be. Uh, probably be another one of the, you know, typical Georgia Tech-Pittsburgh games where it goes back and forth for a little while. Uh, but I, I, I do think that Georgia Tech is going to be the team that, that is, uh, you know, winning in the end. Uh, I, I really hope so because, you know, it's getting, it's getting harder each week. Um, but I do expect him to go out there and win. Uh, as long as – hopefully we'll be able to see, you know, Taquan looking 100%. If not, I fully believe in Tobias after what he did last week. Uh, so it's just going to – it's, it's going to be really interesting, but I, I, I do expect Georgia Tech to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that they pulled us out. I think it could even be a game similar to last year where they win by three scores. I mean – I just think uh, this is going to be a situation where where Georgia Tech maybe just kind of rolls and, and takes advantage of a team that's kind of limping themselves. And I think they have some confidence against these guys, and I think that will kind of pay some dividends here for Georgia Tech finally. And they can get this uh, road monkey off their back. And also, if I just keep predicting a road win, at some point I'm going to be right, right? Absolutely. And that's kind of like, like, like I said, title this one optimism. That's what we're here for. Uh, we're going to predict that Georgia Tech's going to win every week until they do. <laughs> so <laughs> well, we'll I might not right. next week. Bro- but... Broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, for Jared, I'm Kelly. This has been the Jackets Online. <laughs>